Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Big Life Podcast. I feel like we say this every week, but 10 episodes, 10 weeks. Uh, I know my body's feeling it. That means 10 weeks of college soccer. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm I'm hanging in there by a thread, Sam, by a thread. It's uh, It's been a lot of soccer so far. And there's a lot left to go. Uh, body's yeah. definitely feeling it. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is like we were just talking off the pod and we have two more guaranteed weeks. And obviously both of us are hoping for some postseason stretches and everything else we still have in the tank. But like that's scary, like four more games. And I don't know when it became this late in the season and how everything's happening, but I am not ready for it. No, I feel like that's the one piece of advice. Like you ask every person above you and they all say the same thing. It's like, enjoy it. It goes so fast. You're not ready for how fast season goes. And every time you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we know it's still like, it remains true. Yeah, 100%. And trust me, I am feeling that right now. We will get more into this later, but there's a lot going through my brain right now and it is absolutely nuts. But first, let's talk about some of our amazing sponsors. All right. So on a serious note, Sam, you and I had a crazy conversation earlier today about the amount of ACL injuries in women's soccer. Yeah, it really is crazy. And I feel like it's more and more happening this time of year. I know the Big Ten's been hit by it, you know, national team, the Women's World Cup was hit by it. And it's something that we're just seeing all the time right now. Well, there is a fact female athletes are suffering ACL injuries at a rate four to eight times more likely than male. That's just insane. And though anatomy is part of the reason, there's also so many other reasons like hormonal, environmental, and even footwear. Absolutely. Well, our friends at Ida Sports are doing everything in their power to design with female biomechanics and optimal traction in mind. They've created footwear that's more comfortable and designed for the unique biomechanics of women. There's only one consensus around ACL injuries, and that's just that there is needed to be more research and education. And Ida is doing their best to spread that word. You can visit their site and learn more about the ways that female athletes experience ACLs and how you can help support yourself on and off the field. All right. So back to what we were saying, Jordan, we are deep into October. We are in postseason or not in postseason, but we're close to there. First of all, I have to shout out Miss Baller over here who scored two goals and their three to two win over rival Michigan. Let's talk about that, Jordan. Yeah, let's talk about it. Would love to. Um, <laughs> you know, it's always like the big game for us, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, huge rivalry. It's always a big game for us, you know, lots of emotion going into it. And then they ended up kind of like, there was a lot of controversy around our tickets of whether or not we were going to be able to get them for us and like for our parents and stuff like that. So then, you know, added a little bit more fuel, I think, to us for that game. And we went in there and I mean, we dominated, had a great game where, you know, we're playing well. And then I think I had like two of probably the best goals of my career, like thus far, like an absolute banger of a volley coming in. I didn't know I could do that. It was probably just a surprise to everyone else. I'm like, hell yeah. You know, when I get sold out like Michigan crowd, they said later on Twitter, I saw that it was like the biggest crowd they had in the past seven seasons or something like that. So it was just, it was an amazing feeling. And we absolutely dominated the game all the way up until the last four minutes. And unfortunately, they ended up putting two in the back of the net, like back to back in the last four minutes of the game. So I don't think the scoreline really shows the game we played. It should have been three nothing. Um, you know, we dominated for 86 minutes. Need to be four minutes better, obviously. But um, yeah, it was, it was a solid win. It was a good feeling after. 
I can't imagine. I mean, we were on the bus back from our game and it was one of those like, oh, we're checking Twitter. You're checking all the announcements and everything. And like, I just hear like Wickus banger. And you have like, I saw the video and I'm like, oh, okay. And then like literally not only a few minutes later, I see it again. I'm like, oh, she's really on it right now. So little credit. It's funny. Like, I don't feel like I talk about the podcast a ton around my teammates and stuff like that. It's just whatever. And all of a sudden, like they're all tapping me. They're like, your podcast co-host is like balling out right now. So you got a couple of shout outs from the Iowa soccer team. I'll give you that. Yes. Thank you guys. Yeah. I think I just, you know, was really channeling um, our previous podcast guest last episode. Emma, I was like, really just trying to feel it and was like, you know what? I'll just match your energy, go out, get a brace and be more like her. <laughs> there you go. For those of you guys who don't know, episode nine, we had Emma Jaskinick from Wisconsin on the pod. It was amazing to have her. And in her game on Thursday, they beat Northwestern two to one. She got a brace. She balled out. And we're big Emma Jaskinick fans, especially now that Wisconsin's done. You know, Jordan and I were just kind of before recording, doing the math about where the standings are, what we need to happen, what ideal situations are. So let's just say we're big Emma Jaskinick fans right now. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I think they're probably in the most interesting situation for their next game here as a team. Their goalie ended up getting a red card, so out for the next game with that. So it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, kind of manage that adversity as a team and get through that. So definitely big Emma Jasnick fans. Put several in the back of the net for us, please. We need you to win out here. Beat Penn State for us. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> we, we have a couple, you know, hype texts that we'll be sending on personal messages before the games, but that's... Actually, that's we're trying to... <laughs> Oh gosh, that's too good. Well, you have two road games coming up. We have two home games coming up, but you just hit the key buzzword on the head earlier. You're talking about overcoming adversity. And there's so many aspects to our game, to the sport that we love to play that deal with adversity. And it really, I feel like is in any element you look at it, you know, frankly put, we lost this weekend and that sucked. Uh, we're eight, two and eight, two and three on the season. still. we're still having a good year, but how do you bounce back from that? You know, we lost a rivalry game. We always, we love to beat Nebraska. That's our thing. So losing there, you know, how do you bounce back from that? You're talking about a team that's gotten injured and gotten the blunt of, you know, a couple calls and situations, you know, like Wisconsin, how do you bounce back from that? And, you know, this isn't just a college soccer conversation. I remember plenty of times in my club career where I had a bad game or I didn't feel like I got what I deserved. And you kind of just get into this funk in this like negative downworld spiral. So Jordan and I thought it'd be kind of fun to come up with each of our five ways of getting through a slump, getting through the adversity, those kind of things. So I haven't heard hers. She hasn't heard mine. So we might overlap some, we might be completely different, but you know, we just got, we got our list going. So Jordan hit me with it. Number one on your list for how to get through some adversity. Yeah. Yeah. I think adversity, you know, I want to specify is such a big word with such a broad range. Like there's so many different things that you mentioned there, whether it be a team facing adversity, an individual facing adversity and what that situation kind of looks like. So these will be different depending on kind of what the situation is. But my biggest one is always like finding the lesson. Easier said than done always. But when things are going bad, it's so easy just to focus on it being bad. And I'm not a huge like everything happens for a reason. I think sometimes bad things just happen. I can't always just like get stuck in how negative things are, which is so easy to do. So being able to take something out of it, whether it be you know, 
super small and may seem in, insignificant at the time, being able to find something good that's coming out of the situation, something you're learning, something to grow from, taking some sort of lesson out of it really has helped in order to kind of, you know, push back against all of that just negativity and whatever adversity it is that you're facing. So find the lesson in, in whatever it is and take something positive out of the situation would be my my biggest one in my first uh, draft here for our adversity. <laughs> No, I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it's so true in so many different facets of there's always something that you can learn and there's always something that you did well. You know, we have a saying on our team that's the film shows that it's never as good or never as bad as you thought it was. So how do you, yep. So how do you go back and take whatever that is? You know, personally we had, like I said, we had a rough game against Nebraska this weekend, but I went back and watched the film and yeah, there's plenty of things I could have done better 100%, but I was like, oh, you know, there's a couple of good moments there too. So finding those, I think is important. For me, I kind of went in a bit of a different direction and I came up with something that my assistant coach, uh, Caitlin Longino has told me my entire college career. And it's now something like I will forever take away, but she calls it your white space. And for me, I'm the kind of person who I love to have a schedule for every single thing in my life. I love to do about 18 different things at one time, figure things out. And for me, she's like, what is your white space? And I was like, Kato, what are you talking about? So this is supposed to be like the spot on your calendar or the spot in your planner where there's nothing. She's like, you need time to do nothing. You can't overschedule your life. And I feel like sometimes for me, like when I am in that slump, I want to overschedule everything because I don't want to think about what's happening or I don't want my brain to go somewhere negative. So I'm just going to overschedule myself. So find your white space, whether that literally be 15, 30 minutes of watching your favorite TV show or just chilling on the couch and sipping your cup of coffee and not doing anything, not being on your phone, not doing homework or anything like that. So whatever is going to give you that 15 to 30 minutes of peace in your transitions of things and finding your white space on your calendar has been a massive, just like breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think it brings up a good point where like, I think as athletes, a lot of times, like there's two types of people in the world where you either work harder or you work smarter. And to be successful, I think you need to have a good balance of both. And a lot of times people will get into their head where they're facing some sort of thing and they just want to work harder. Like they want to solve whatever it is by just working harder. And sometimes you end up counteracting that and end up working yourself into the ground or not being able to balance everything that you're trying to overschedule or things of that nature. So being able to work smarter, have a white space to go kind of reset, figure out the best way you know, to face that adversity and things of that nature. I think it's it's a great, great first round draft pick there. I know. All right. All right. We're, we're balling pretty hard. What would you say is the number two thing that popped into your mind to get you through a long season, get you through that adversity, whatever it is? Don't do it alone. Lean on the people that, you know, your loved ones, find that support system and utilize it, right? It's there for a reason. Um, whether that be coaching staffs, whether that be professionals, whether that be, you know, friends, teammates, whatever that may look like, whatever it is that you're facing, find a support system and have, use them, you know, use them to whatever you may need at that time, whether it be advice, whether it be someone to just listen to someone, if it's a teammate and you're struggling with your first touch, if you're, it's a technical thing, get them out there on the field with you and go practice that whatever it is that you're facing. I think there's always someone out there to help you through it. You just got to find them and you got to be willing to ask. You got to be willing to ask for help and be willing to lean on them. And once you do, I mean, you're never in it alone, whatever it is. So utilize the people that you have to go out there and be successful, be able to navigate this. I love that. I heard a, I was listening to a different podcast actually. And I heard a quote that I was, it takes a village to raise an athlete. 
Um, you always hear like it takes a village to raise a kid and a bunch of different things, but to raise an athlete, it takes a village. There's so many deep, different people and different facets that are involved in your process. And, you know, sometimes you need some more than others in different ways other than others. So your village is definitely going to be someone that you can rely on. And I'll transition into my next one, which is a perfect transition to yours. It's finding your soundboard. So for me, you know, I think about this in terms of like, my mom is my soundboard. Uh, we've obviously heard from our parents in the previous episodes and everything like that, but okay. I feel like we talk all the time about being positive and, you know, moving through things and looking at the bright side of things. And I'm fine myself. I think I'm a very optimistic person. That being said, I'm a firm believer in energy. I'll get into my little energy and aroma talk right now. So yeah. you have your good energy and you have your bad energy. And both are okay. I feel like we don't talk enough of that. Both are okay. But we got to get that bad energy out, right? We we feel it. No one likes to feel it, but it's there. We're getting it out. And I find that my best way is through my soundboard. There's going to be times, I want everyone to hear this, where you're going to work, rant about a teammate, where you're going to talk about how your coach maybe treated you what you deem unfairly, whether it was or not, we could talk about it. But there's going to be times where that happens. And when we keep it inside, because we're like, no, we have to be positive all the time. When we have to do this all the time, it doesn't get healthy and it builds up. There is a time and a place of where to have these conversations. That's the first thing I want to say. I always believe that they happen in the four walls of your house and not in a locker room, not in a field, anything like that. But call your mom and rant. Listen, my mom gets my rants all the time. She hears my story. She knows, like, I always joke, like, you know, like, my mom knows all the tea about everyone in your life or whatever it is. Like my mom knows all of that because she's my soundboard. She knows that her role in that situation is to answer the phone and let me talk nonstop for 15 minutes. But that gets my negative energy out. And after I have that, it's out. I'm done. I can move on. I feel like a lot of times we try to not acknowledge that negativity and we try to just shove it down to fill it with positivity or whatever we're thinking. And I want everyone to know it's okay to feel bad and complain. But when you're done, you make a plan and you're done complaining and you move on. So there's a clear distinction, but there is times where it's okay to be negative, but then you move on. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a really good distinction that you made there at the end where it's like, you need to have a plan afterward. You can't just sit in the negativity and let it build up because then like for what, right? You need to have a plan after being able to move forward with it. Um, and also a time and place, right? Be aware of who you are ranting to. Your mom is a great person that's uninvolved in the team. When you go ahead and I think if your sounding board is someone already on the team and you're ranting about other teammates, other coaches, that's where you get in a little bit of a gray space where it's tricky because, you know, you're all in kind of the same scenario, same group of individuals. And now, you know, maybe she says something, then I say something. And now that negativity is building and growing within the team dynamic rather than rather than rather than being able to move on from it so I think you know finding someone outside of the group to be your soundboard is really important too in that scenario for me I live with three gymnasts so they're absolutely wonderful for that you know they have no idea really the soccer life or what goes on you know they're integrated into our lives but having them there to be our soundboard outside of the team I think is really really helpful my third round pick would be finding the humor 
being able to kind of laugh through whatever it is you're going through. Kind of same idea as finding the lesson. It can't all just be negative, right? All the time. It's hard. Things get hard. Adversity is hard. That's why it's called adversity. You know, you have to get through it. So being able to laugh through it, being able to smile through it, being able to find something where you're still getting happy, you know, being happy, making jokes about it. I know this comes out on Thursday, so we'll see whether or not I'm playing in this Thursday game, but my Michigan game, right after my second goal, next play, I go out and I end up like just straining my hamstring. You know, nothing too major. One of those more annoying injuries where you're like, you know, especially with the timing and everything. But the first thing I did when I came off the field is go, oh, my God, this sucks so bad. And then the second thing is um, I had a teammate who had strained it way earlier in the season is come back now. I'm like, hey, I just wanted to be more like you, you know, going to the athletic training, being like, I don't feel like we had enough bonding time. I just felt like we need to be a little bit closer, trying to just, you know, laugh a little bit through it, you know, smile through it, find some sense of humor as you go through it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And like, like you said, like, there's always a little bit something to laugh at. And there's always a little kick you can get. And so finding those moments just to chuckle, you know, and think about, yep, all right, this makes sense right now is a great way. And it's a good way to put things in perspective too, a little bit. And, you know, just enjoy the little moments as much as they might suck. And that's okay too. So mine next one's a little bit weird, but it's something that like when you're in these negative slumps and you just need something to break it, I like to think of the part of me that's not an athlete. You know, we talk all the time about you are not an athlete. You are a human being that happens to play sports. And I think that's very, very true. And I joke that during season, I seem to find a new part of me or a new even like obsession that has nothing to do with my athletic self. And that's my good distraction. So I've especially being in a little bit less school right now than I ever have. It's been a good journey to learn what that is. And I always had my weird quirks. Like I go to every Marvel movie on opening night and I'm a huge like Marvel movie nerd. I love doing it. So sometime at some point during season, I always seem to rewatch all of the Marvel movies. That's just the thing that happens. Um, All of them. Don't worry. So like bus rides after dinner, like I'm like, I might as well just throw on Captain America right now. And that's just like my part of me that I love doing that has nothing to do with soccer. So when I don't want to think about soccer, I don't have to. So even for example, like we played Nebraska on Saturday, we didn't play well. Like it wasn't the game that we wanted. Okay. On Sunday, I looked at my fiance and I was like, we're not talking about soccer today. Pop the popcorn, infinity saga. Let's go. And we just got to sit there and watch movies and not think about soccer. And I think that like little detachment once again was like, oh, this isn't the end of the world. I have so much that I enjoy that has nothing to do with that soccer game yesterday. And it's a little bit of a reminder to me of like, yo, I don't have to think about soccer all the time. And that doesn't define me of who I am. Absolutely. Yeah. I think our world gets so small. Like this is our life. This is everything you worked for. It's all coming up to this. And the world gets smaller and smaller and it feels like things are closing in. And when you have a bad game, you have a bad practice or things don't go right. It feels like it's the end of the world. And to have those moments where you take a step back and you go, oh, like my world is a whole lot bigger than just this one performance or this one day or this one thing being soccer. All right. Number four, Jordan, what are we queuing up with? Celebrate the little wins. Use them. Take that momentum to go forward. You know, if you're in a funk, you're having a bad day, having a bad practice, having a bad season, whatever it may be, you know, when you have a good day, when you have a good practice, when you have a good touch, even, you know, just individual moments, celebrate them, take them, use that momentum going forward, you know, and we talk about it all the time in season, like when we have a big win, we just beat Michigan, like take this momentum, take this feeling as you're coming off and as the ball's going in the back of the net, take that, 
celebrate it and want to relive it you know want to go ahead and do that the next game because it feels good it, you know winning is a nice feeling and being able to not just you know get stuck in the whole big picture sometimes where you're like like I scored but yeah but I had a good touch but I had a good game but and all that stuff being able to take those moments take those individual successes celebrate them and want to redo it want to repeat it and go out and do it again the next day you know use that momentum going forward to continue that success instead of just you know looking over them as being small yeah I love that I love that I think it's a good you know that word but I feel like it's almost like eliminating the but just you're there you did it period not but it's my quote period not but I like that all right anyway all right now that I'm getting all motivational in here I have one that I know I have felt susceptible to a lot. It's something I feel constantly throughout my career. And it's something I'm happy that I've learned is very bad in a sense. Kind of injuncted. You don't have to feel guilty and know why you're doing something. So it's a bit of a weird thing. But like I would have times in so many practices where I'm like, I played bad. And then the rest of the day, like if I would catch myself like in school, like feeling good, like having a fun conversation. I'd be like, no, I have to feel guilty because I played really bad today. Like I don't deserve to be happy right now because I had a bad practice. And knowing once again, that like, guess what? It happens and you don't have to feel guilty with that. But one thing kind of combining a bunch of thoughts right here that I used to do because I felt guilty is listen, I know this is more available in college than it ever was for me at club, but like we record everything, you have film on everything. I could pull up my training sessions, I can pull up my games, I can pull up everything, as I'm sure most other college athletes can as well. Watch film, but know why you're watching it. I got in a very, very bad habit of watching what I would say is too much film to a point where my coaches have banned me from watching film in a lot of times because I did not know how to properly watch film and I would see myself make a mistake and I'd go back five seconds and rewatch a mistake. And then go back five seconds and rewatch the mistake. And then I would feel guilty about the mistake. And I would not ever really celebrate the good things I did, even though I had those literally on proof on camera, but I would go back and watch those mistakes. And so I think film is a great tool. I think it is an amazing way to learn. And I think it's a great thing to see what we're doing. That being said, have intention as to why you're doing it. Because it was something I found myself and then I would just sit there and feel guilty. And I'd tell my mom the clip of the bad thing I did. And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm a terrible soccer player. And I just kind of just get in this giant spiral. So have intention behind what you're doing. And whether that be like now when I watch film, I challenge myself, okay, in this 25 minutes, I'm going to find four grows, but I'm going to find six glows. So six good things I did, but four eh, things I did. And challenging myself to almost always find more positive than negative. It's been a good way for me to frame things a bit more. Okay. I like that. I like the grows and glows. It's a nice way to phrase it. All right. Look at that. We're getting poetic here. Uh, Yeah. Look at you. You're just spitting some quotes today. (laughs) I need a Sam Carey merch line after this episode. You better just fill the back in. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Um, Last one for me, I think just finding friends and having the group that I'm surrounded with knowing why you're friends with them or like knowing what they're good at I would I is a better way to phrase that like you know try to like friend up in certain areas if you know you're struggling in something find the person that's super good at it if you want to be more disciplined find the most disciplined person you you can seek out and just go follow them and I think everyone has something that you can learn from and you are the company you keep you know if we're gonna go ahead and throw out quotes today and I think that's so true 
right? You adapt your personalities, you learn from the people around you, you're, you're a sponge taking in those types of, you know, small characteristics of other people. And finding people that are successful in the areas you want to be successful and surrounding yourself with them, I think is a huge, huge advantage in overcoming whatever adversities you're facing or just being more successful, you know, in whatever it is that you're you're seeking. For me, I remember freshman year, we had ice baths and the tub wasn't quite big enough for all 31 of us, however many kids were at the team at the time. So we'd go in kind of groups. And I remember I would kind of like hang out a little bit and I would try to pace myself and be in the ice bath at the same time as like Lauren Kozel and Ava Cook and Sam White and all these people that I looked up to that I wanted to learn from. And even if I'm not directly involved in the conversation at the time, I learned so much from just being in the ice bath for those, you know, 10, 15 minutes with them and just hearing them talk, talk about the game, talk about soccer, talk about their lives. You know, what are they doing that I'm not? And being able to just kind of seek them out and find them in that area. Or I live with gymnasts right now. And I think have to be one of the most disciplined groups of individuals I have ever seen. And being able to just kind of learn from them. Like, what are they doing in their daily routine or daily lives that could help me, you know, be better, be better in those areas. And there's just, there's so much to learn from so many people. And I think finding a group that is successful in the areas you want to be successful is so underrated. And it's a huge, huge way to just level up while still being, you know, not having to do a whole lot. You know, you just find a group of kids that you like, you want to be friends with or doing everything right. Absolutely. You know, I hear it all the time in different aspects, but like you are the average of the five people you hang out around the most. Like you said, I firmly believe that that's such a true statement. So evaluate your five. Think real quick about who are the five people that you do surround yourself and is that serving you? I think that's a really awesome point. And, you know, learning, aspiring to be like those people is, is amazing. So my last one is probably my personal favorite. And it's something that I did not learn until I was in college. And I think it's something that as athletes at any stage in our career, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, professional, it's something we can all do and all think about. But it's to know your why. College soccer is hard. Soccer in general is hard. I can tell you in my career, I don't want to go to practice every day. Like there's some days I'm like, damn, all right, here we go. And there's days where I wake up and I'm so excited to go. Like, it's just a reality of it. But on those days where it's a little bit harder, I can think about why I'm here, why I want to do what I do. And like, even on a personal note for me, like, this is my last season of college soccer. We're all aware of this and I'm growing way more and more. So like for me right now, like my phone background is a picture of my six-year-old self playing soccer. And like, when I was six, if you could tell me right now, that I am a fifth year in college soccer. I am a team captain. I am a big 10 champion. I have started in nearly every single game of my college soccer career. Like I would be so proud of myself. And I feel like it's so, so easy for us to detach and not think about that. But like four-year-old, you dreamed of being where you are. So capitalize on that and use that as like your little spark of like, you made it, bro. Like keep going. Like keep fighting. And I feel like that's something like I don't think about enough, but like, this is going to sound so creepy and I don't mean it to be, but it's true. I was driving the other day. I was driving out to dinner and I passed a like little park that I always pass on my street. 
And I looked over and there was like a little kid soccer practice happening. You know, they had like the two little buckets out as goals and like the pug goals and small balls and the kids were dribbling and the shin guards were over the sweatpants and the whole shebang. And like, I just got filled with so much joy because I remember being that kid. And I remember those days when soccer was just this game that we played because our mom randomly signed us up for it. But then we really kind of started liking it. And, you know, you go out for ice cream after you scored the goal or whatever it was. And I feel like reconnecting with that player and playing for her is something that is so underrated. And like everything I do is because that six-year-old on my phone screen that wanted to be here and that dreamt of it. And that's really powerful for me. That is adorable and amazing um, and it's so incredibly true. You know, I think it's it's so hard sometimes to find your why moving forward. You're right. Like the younger version of ourselves would be so incredibly proud of where we have came. And I know that picture, I like am completely am swimming in stuff. So I appreciate that. I feel like six-year-olds are a bit more like well-dressed and taken care of of when I was when I was six. <laughs> You still have the strap shin guards. Oh, you know, it's actually the same pair if you didn't, if you weren't aware. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, there's our soapbox on the things that we do to get through our adversity, to get through our tough times. Cause like, like we said, they're going to happen and that's a part of the game. But also I think it makes the great times even better. And you know, it wouldn't be season without some highs and lows. It wouldn't be a career without some highs and lows. So that's a great part about it. I have planned a little five minute rant that I'm sure Jordan would love to get me in on. I'm sure she has some thoughts, um, but I feel like it's a part of the game that we know we're well aware of, but we don't always acknowledge and don't always understand. So here's my five minute rant. Jordan, as you know, I am a soccer referee. It is something that I do a lot of the time. It's a very weird thing to be a division one soccer player and a college soccer referee. I'm one of the very few in the country, if not the only one. That being said, I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for how hard that job is because I have done it. I also can understand a bit more of the ins and outs. I also find myself getting frustrated because I've been there and I've done that. And in my opinion, they're doing it wrong in some situations. So I am not innocent for yelling at a ref. I'm sure if there are any referees like listening to this, like I am known for not exactly being a nice person on the field. I'm aware of it. I sometimes know a referee a little too well, whatever that may be. But there is a process to how you become a college soccer referee. You don't just sign up one day and say, hey, I want the money. Let's go. There is a lot of assigning. There is a lot of evaluation that is done. On top of that, I don't know that a lot of people understand this, but after games, our coaches have the opportunities to clip up the film, shoot it to the referee people. They all analyze it and that determines the next assignments. So as much as, you know, we can say, oh, he doesn't even know the game of soccer. There is a lot of training that goes into being a referee. You know, being a female referee, is a whole nother thing that we could get into and like the adversities of female referees and everything like that. Cause there's so many of it that, but I feel like, you know, when it comes to refereeing, first of all, the thing I always tell my team, this is an expectation of anyone that is on a team I play on. And frankly, like it's grown into an expectation of Iowa. Like don't talk to the referee. You talking about that call that happened is not doing anything. It's actually digging yourself a deeper hole. So rule number one, like it's not helping. I get, we all have anger. There's going to be times where we're like, whoa, but like the extended conversation just doesn't need to happen and it's not going to help you with anything. And there's really no point. The whole, this is big, never going to, it's never, it's never going to work. The whole pet peeve of this is my other pet peeve players, especially defenders that think someone on sides and are going to throw their hand up instead of defending. Guess what? You're not influencing a call. I, I don't know if you know this, but you actually have no power to call offside. There's someone whose job that is. 
So maybe instead of calling the game yourself, we should defend. Because I have seen plenty of goals where defenders are too busy calling offside that the player runs right behind them and scores. So there's my little rant there. Finally, there is time where the referee is wrong. There is times where a referee can review a call. There's times where a referee can't you to review a call. There is small rules of soccer that sometimes a lot of players don't know. I saw my own teammate try to call offside on a throw in, in our game the other day. And I was like, sir, ma'am, there's no offside in the throwing. I don't think some people know this. There's some basic rules. So learn the rules of soccer before you yell at a referee, because the amount of times that I've heard my own players like yelling something. And like, the thing is here, like, I'll say it. I know majority of the referees that refer the Big Ten Conference. I have worked with Gim. I've been to tournaments with them. A lot of us are on first name basis with me and them. I'll just say it. I will never act like it. They never show me special treatment, but there's some side conversation. So the amount of times I have been pulled aside by referees saying this girl needs to get it together because she's saying this and it doesn't even make sense is very true. So we all have bad referees. We all have bad calls. I have plenty that I like take a clip of after a game. I send it to my like group chat of friends. I'm like, yo, like, what was this? Like, do y'all agree? Because I don't. But there's my rant. Referees are there for a reason. They have trained to be there in a lot of cases. There's a lot of judgment and a process to get them there. It's not just because they showed up and don't know the rules of soccer. So understanding that is very, very important. Yeah, my, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I'm still going to throw a hand up if I think they're offside. You didn't influence me in there. I think it has power. <laughs> it oh. is Jordan's power. Just <laughs> It was offside. But when I was in Australia, one of our professors, our only professor that they traveled with us, he was a very, very high level like not referee referee analysis okay. where he would go people one reviewing the film essentially and going through it and being like this was the right call this was the bad call and grading the referees all the way up to like national league teams mls nwsl like very very high level teams like when covid hit he was a bubble for the national uh national team as the referee and he kind of was like explaining it. And I think there is so much that goes into being a referee that nobody really knows. Because prior to that, I'm like, yeah, people just sign up and they must be just like handing out these jobs because, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, that was a bad call or whatever it may be. But the amount of training that they have and the things that go into actually getting to that level, I, nobody really, I think, understands that when you're on the field and you're playing soccer. And I think when you take a step back and you realize how much training they have, it does change your perspective a little bit on some of the, the small things or you have a little level of respect for the calls where before everyone's been there, everyone's yelled at a ref, you know, every ref has made a bad call. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, I agree. I agree that there needs to be maybe less of it, less of that, you know, backlash for it because it is a very hard job and it is something that so much more time and so much more effort goes into and you realize that being said there have been some bad calls yeah Jordan sent me a couple don't worry we do, we do talk outside of just this hour that we talk on random Mondays when we record this podcast um there, there's been some videos exchanged and some some conversation you know <laughs> all right that I mean was, yeah. uh, we talked about I don't know if any like I don't know what it was actually. I the TikTok we talked a little bit about it, but where there was eleven yellow cards and two red cards, as a referee, give some insight. That was just ridiculous, was it not? Yeah, you know it's crazy. We were literally talking about that before we recorded. I believe it's a Manchester City game. I forget who they were playing, but it was this week. There was eleven, yeah, eleven yellows and three reds or two reds. And, you know, the first thing I saw when I saw this is, in my opinion, it was a referee who needed a cry for help. The first yellows, 100%. Like, I saw a, like, time slice of every card she gave and everything like that. 
100% clear cut yellows. Totally good. I think it's forgotten often that referees are human. And as much as you shouldn't as a referee and the goal is to not, emotions do impact a game. And there's something that a lot of referees refer to as the temperature of the match. And the temperature of the match can be, you know, influenced by so many different things, whether it be a rivalry game, the score, just really hard tackles, style of play. There's so many different things that can influence the temperature of the match. But when it's hot is when, you know, the cards start flying, things like that happen. That being said, temperature is going to fluctuate throughout a game. You know, your temperature in a 1-1 overtime game is not going to be the same at kickoff. As a referee myself, like I've refereed a U-17 boys national championship. The temperature of that game changed all the time. You have to know when the temperature is here and you have to be able to bring it down to here, not only externally on the field, but in yourself. Because as much as like you see a card, you're like, oh my God, like that's a yellow card. Like the panic kind of goes into a referee sometimes too. So in my opinion, and you know, this is a referee who's doing, you know, professional women's soccer out in Europe. That's no small feat. The first ones were great. Completely nailed yellow cards. 100%. The temperature of the game got too hot and she couldn't bring it up down on the field and she couldn't bring it down in herself. So then at this point, you know, players are getting frustrated. They're starting talking to her. I think I saw something that like four of the yellow cards were for dissent. There is a yellow card for time wasting. Those are legal reasons to give yellow cards. In the first half. <laughs> in the first half. In the first like 25 minutes of the game for time wasting. Yeah. And I believe that was the second yellow. So the time wasting one is what gave that player a red card. That's where just what we call football understanding comes into play here. You have to understand that this is a game, a professional game, and a, why would anyone waste time in 25 minutes? Like 25 minutes into the game. You're not wasting time. It's just not a thing. On top of that, am I really going to get, like if I have a second yellow because it was two spa situations, which is stopping a promising attack. Yeah. Hands tied two yellows, 100%. If it's a, you know, reckless challenge. Yeah. 100%. If it's time wasting, I'm probably not giving a second yellow for that. Uh, unless it's so, so extreme that I simply cannot. So that's where the understanding of the game is coming into play. And there's a difference between textbook refereeing and under football understanding refereeing. And you need to balance it both. And I think that that got lost in the emotion of the game. Two very interesting takes from a referee. And also, fun fact, the top two teams in the Big Ten with the most amount of fouls. <laughs> so referees are not on our side. <laughs> it's little fun fact for everyone yeah that on me oh my gosh okay yeah it's uh is it close referees do not like us i guess dude you know like i said though like i'm guilty too like i can't even sit here and act like i'm innocent so oh my gosh that's funny <laughs> jordan you just got Let's me but we do have what okay what's the stats here Oh yeah, I'm pulling them up. Let's see. You have 173 and we have 168 fouls called against us. Does that mean we're um, first in the Big Ten? Because I'm on We have 160. Nebraska's in there, so. All right. All right. All right. And that wow. average 13.1 fouls per game. Hey guys, I just we want average to know that this fouls. game on October 22nd between Iowa and Michigan State might have just gotten more interesting. I mean, everyone tune in because take account. Oh, that'd be a fun little side bet. How many fouls will Michigan State and Iowa have as they play each other? All right, that's a listener question. Submit your answers to Girls Soccer Network. 
DM it on Instagram. If you win, I'm sorry, Jen, I'm tying your hands. We will give you free merch. Whoever gets the answer right and submits it first, will get something in the mail. Boom. We're deciding it. We, we've started a competition. There we, we have go. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have one listener writing question and I want to get an answer because it's a really unique thing about being in the big life. It's something that I feel like, you know, it's not the same across college campuses and it's something that we're both kind of lucky to have. Jordan, what is your food slash like grocery money, that whole situation? How does that work in Michigan State? Yeah, so I'm I'm really, really missing the preseason kind of like per diem, catered meals and all of that stuff. Now I have to cook on my own. It's been painful. It's been non-existent, if we're going to be honest. The beginning of season when you first get here, I don't know exact timelines, but for a certain amount of time, they have to cater or cater all your meals that you fill out through Google Forms or things of that nature for us where, you know, it will be noodles and company or, you know, whatever it is that they're ordering. We'll have a specific order. We may have a buffet style meal, or if they're not either of that, we're, we're sitting down as a team and having dinner. We have a nice little credit card that the university gives to us, like a debit card that they put money on. We call it per diem. So we have, everyone has their own card. They put whatever the amount may be for the day, whether it be breakfast, lunch, dinner, where we are, all of that stuff, the amount changes depending on the meal. And we'll go ahead and get our own food and they'll provide it for us that way. On away trips, same thing. They provide all the meals for us. Home games, we do like a buffet style catered breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it is, depending on the, the time of the game. Things of that nature, they, they provide all those meals for us. I think that's the main portion that comes from the university personally not a chef not a chef never claimed to be one it's not good my version of cooking is the casco frozen either salmon or like orange chicken and throwing that in the air fryer and i will probably have salmon like two to three times a week with like just white rice sticky rice by the way because i still don't know how to make rice which is crazy because all my roommates like are very very into cooking and like all of that like they eat like properly crazy that's my main source of nutrition or the protein shakes a minimum of one per day just to survive um someday maybe my only source of protein <laughs> but the best when it comes to nutrition or things like that i'm very much more into convenience i don't get super hungry it's more of like a conscious decision of when i need to eat and what i need to be eating to fuel my body rather than like going off of my stomach so yeah, and in breakfast, we have a nutrition station, which is on like the second floor of Jenison, which is the athlete building that we have. So I go up there a lot of times and I'll have my breakfast, whether it be like a bagel and cream cheese, or we have catered breakfasts every Monday and Thursday in there, like from IHOP buffet style. And we just go and get it there. And then for lunch, usually same thing. I get it from the nutrition station, like peanut butter and jelly, ham and cheese sandwiches, whatever it is on my way to and from classes or before practice and training, I go there. And then for dinner, it's going to be like a frozen meal from whatever I picked up or like bought food or leftovers that I stole from our previous catered meal <laughs> at soccer. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. You're killing me a bit here. I'm not going to lie, but no, I mean, so much of what we have is the same, you know, being in the big 10, a lot of our systems are going to be the same. So pregame meals, anything on the road, all that supplied, you know, we too have the, like they're required to supply any meal during preseason and stuff like that. The one difference we have, and like, I don't know if I like, this is unique to Iowa or not. I really don't know is 
we have what we call black card and it is an amazing thing in our lives that we cherish so, so much. So with black card on certain days, typically, so it's weekdays and it's not game days. If that makes sense. It's any time we're home and we don't have a game. So for us, typically it would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, we get black card and it's an app on our phone. We get $20 a day. And that is going to restaurants in the Iowa city area that, you know, have supported black card. And then my big saving grace is that high V our grocery stores on black card. So for $20 a day, I could pull up like this app on my phone and it shows all of the food options of all the restaurants or grocery stores or however that I could go spend my money at. So for example, like got my little phone here. These are all the restaurants in Iowa city that I could go to right now and spend money. And so it's $20 a day that we get basically for free. It doesn't carry over. So it's not like if I don't spend it today, I get 40 tomorrow. It resets every day. But so how I do it is I love cooking so much. And so every day after practice, I, everyone at High V knows me by name. I walk in, they like know I'm on black card. They know I'm Sam Carey on the soccer team. And I go buy $20 worth of groceries every day. And I get to like cook a ton of great meals and make sure I'm super well-nourished and you know, balance my food and get all the fresh produce and fresh, you know, protein sources and stuff like that because I get $20 a day. And that's so, so much. So we're super grateful for that at Iowa, but yeah, other girls who don't like to cook as much as me do go out to eat a lot, you know, and it's Chipotle it's, you know, local things that are on there as well. It's Italian restaurants, it's whatever. And so we're super, super lucky to have it. It's something that we're super grateful for, but it definitely saves the grocery bill a bit for me and lets me be a little bit more bougie with my choices. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm a little jealous. Maybe I would cook more if I had actually no, I'm scratched that I just go to a restaurant. <laughs> hold up, hold up. I don't really yeah. I don't really go out to eat at all here. Costco is my saving grace. There you go. I make oh, my you get that membership. Maybe you go on a Sunday after a game, get all the free samples. You're good. There we go. I'm fed for the week. I love it. Well, Jordan, what does this week bring for you? We're going to be away again. So we got another like week long trip. We're going to be at Indiana Thursday and then at Rutgers Sunday. So we're harder again, which is super nice. I mean, oh, huge fan. Best way to travel by far, like obviously, but it makes such a big difference because now we can leave. We'll leave Wednesday night, go get to our hotel and everything after practice. So you know, we can go to classes still Wednesday morning. We have practice here Wednesday morning. We get on our flight. We go to Indiana. We'll play on Thursday night. We can go hang out at the hotel and everything Thursday. And then I believe I'd have to look at our itinerary. We might even stay in Indiana Friday and leave. Or maybe Friday night we leave. I don't really know. We would leave Friday, Saturday, and we head up to Rutgers then. And then you'll train and we can leave right after the game Sunday and get back at a reasonable time, reasonable hour, rather than having to be like in the airport all day and dealing with all that. You're on your feet for so long. And then it changes the times of when you can do things. It makes a huge difference. So I'm really, really excited that we're on another away trip, Indiana Rutgers right now. We're tied for second with Indiana. So us, Indiana and Wisconsin all have the same record. But since we beat Wisconsin head to head, I believe that puts us above them. You know, it's that time of year you can add all the statistics and all the score lines. And you're like, where do we fall? So it'll be a really, really big game. And then Rose is always a good team, no matter where they stand. Like they're just athletic. So it'll be interesting. Interesting week. What about you guys? We have our first double home week of the season, which is crazy to say. We just really have not had one. We've always been home and away. So we have two home games on Thursday. We play home against Northwestern. 
And Sunday we play home against Maryland. You know, Jordan and I are talking about like obviously like the math of you know looking at postseason and stuff like that. And in all transparency, it's starting to get crazy. And we're a bubble team right now. We know we are. We're a bubble team for both the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, which is kind of crazy to say. That's not normally a situation for a team to be in. But you know, we know that we have to get the job done this week in order to make next week, you know also matter but hopefully you know certain circumstances and the math can shake out we're hoping for other people to get certain results you know please please be Rutgers uh different things like that but the reality of the situation is I'm there's a strong strong chance that my last ever game on the Iowa soccer fields on Sunday and there's a lot of emotions that can come with that and I haven't even felt them all to be completely honest you know I like literally like cried about it yesterday but I'm also like guarantee I'm gonna cry about it Sunday and probably multiple times in between. And so learning that my journey is, you know, hopefully not coming to an end in the next four games. I'd love, and I desperately want to extend that as far as I can, but it's also a reality of the situation. You know, there's a possibility in a worst case world that my last college soccer game could be against Jordan, which is really terrifying to say out loud. So this is like the fact of the matter of where we're at. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy my last minutes on my home field while I can and all the great memories that have happened on that field. But yeah, it's going to be a tough weekend for me, like emotionally and ready. So it's going to be big and I'm excited for it. But definitely my my journey starting to wrap up, which is also pretty crazy to say out loud. Yeah, wow. Well, big Sam Carey fan. So we'll be cheering for you. Go uh, go win out the weekend. Hopefully this will be your, your last one. I'm sure. Like I said, we're just trying to make the Michigan State game as like less dramatic as possible because it's already dramatic. So I can't have it be my last college soccer game on top of everything. Like this has to be about the podcast, not about me. So simply put. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We're doing it for you guys. Exactly. Just do it for me. <laughs> All right, y'all, that being said, thank you so much for listening to episode 10. We know it was a bit scattered, but there's so much that we want to get out and there's so much that we wanted to say. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled routine starting next week. And as always, soccer on. Bye, guys.